Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. I have Parkinson's disease. This is when life gives you Parkinson's. By my side, as always, in life and in Parkinson's is my co-host and wife, Rebecca Gifford. Hi, honey. I love you. For I can help falling, falling, falling. Please help me, I'm falling. I'm falling again, I'm falling. Catch it now, I'm falling. Now I'm free. Falling now, I'm free. Falling now, I'm free. Falling now, I'm free. Okay, so as the music tells us. <laughs> it Was it obvious? <laughs> This episode is about managing falls. Yes, you know, it's winter and uh, we live in North America and snow and ice and black ice and freezing rain, all are, you know, things that can make falls happen more often. But, you know, for people with Parkinson's, every season could be called fall. Oh, I see what you did there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, a little dad humor never hurts (laughs) anybody. The reason we're doing this episode is because over the holidays, you had four falls. I did. They were all relatively different, and we thought that if we could use more information about these different kinds of falls, why they occurred and how to prevent them, that there are other people out there in the Parkinson's community who could use that information too. Even people who don't know that they need the information probably need the information. We didn't know we needed the information (laughs) until all of a sudden we needed the information. Right. So, you know, I'm 49. I was not planning on this until I was in my 70s. Yeah, that's how that happens, right? So so listen up, folks. Uh, If you think you don't need information on falls... You're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the first fall I had, (laughs) you might remember this, we were in the bedroom and I was getting ready for work and Henry was in there and you were in there and I went kerplunk trying to wrestle my pants on. Uh, Then I turned my ankle and dropped my body weight onto it. I fell sitting in a chair, (laughs) uh, just like a domino falling over. (laughs) Uh, and, And there was one more which left me with a, a bloody arm and a bruised ego and, and some well, relatively dark thoughts. All right, so um, I just fell uh, again. That's uh, the third time in two weeks. Uh, this time it was uh, taking the trash out down the steps, um, got to the bottom of the steps and must have missed a step or something. And it was raining, so uh, and I couldn't catch myself. So I. It's kind of like Buzz Lightyear where I fell with style, but, uh, you know, got a bloody elbow and bruised ego. We need to figure this out because falling is a big issue for people with Parkinson's. Uh, and if you fall down the top of the steps, uh, there, there may not be a recording to do. So I'm going to email Dr. Squires and let him know what's going on and uh, dust off the dirt and... Uh, bruised ego i'll nurse and uh, we'll move forward just one step at a time hopefully not wobbly steps but they have been recently so my fear my real fear is that i got something worse than parkins i hope that's not true i don't want to die well that got dark All right. 
Hmm. Yeah, there's going to be a big cry this weekend at some point, probably watching a TV show. Because <laughs> uh, then it's acceptable for me to cry because it's something else. It's not about me, but it will be about me. All right. You did get a bit dark there. That fall really took you to a different place, a bit of a wake-up call in a way. Yeah, you know, you, alarm bells were going off. I mean, yeah. like one fall, oh, okay, two falls, well, that's funny. Three falls, you're going, wait a second, what is going on here? And then there was the fourth fall, and then I'm going, whew, I better go see a doctor. How are you feeling about it now? I, I'm still, I'm nervous to... Like, I'm holding on to rails, and, like, I'm being more careful than I've ever been. I mean, I guess I I, I, I don't feel like I'm going to die soon, <laughs> so that's good news, and I don't want to. I still don't want to die. Um, but I feel like I have a team now helping me and supporting me, and we're, we're moving in the right direction towards healing. Well, and what did Dr. Squires say? So I, I emailed him at the end of December, early January, and he goes, Yeah, you don't fall. wise advice (laughs) thanks dr squire he goes let's just chalk that up to 2020 and let's hope 2021 is better and i think what he wasn't saying which i've heard since is when you have one fall then it makes you vulnerable for other falls if you're not already rehabbing that first fall and so there's a possibility that like one of my vestibular crystals in my ear has fallen and so now that makes my you know center of gravity off and so there's a there's a whole lot of things that he was saying in that message and so we're working on it but you know i i, I appreciate his humor and you know his <laughs> his want for a better new year <laughs> you're still rehabbing from one of the falls that happened in early december how is that going well yeah that was the second fall henry and i were going to go shopping for your christmas gift and we got all excited we're racing around the kitchen and grabbing keys of bullet and my pills and and then i went too fast and i turned my ankle and then i fell down on it and then and then it was like a like a tennis ball and you and henry had to like carry me around the house i'm like son we're not going anywhere today um but i didn't do anything about it i just sort of we iced it right and we just sort of let it go and then there was a couple other falls and i probably twisted it a couple more times uh and then it wasn't until uh you know early february uh it was still quite swollen and tender so i called up my favorite neurophysiotherapist, Naomi, at NeuroFit BC, and said, okay, friend, I need some help. And we're good. Now, obviously, visually, you can see the side is just uh, a little bit swollen, for sure. You're also a little bit externally rotated on that side. So tell me if anything is painful, okay? Because I can't see your face. Oh, right there. Right here, okay. It shouldn't be this swollen oh, two months later. Nope, but you didn't rehab it at all, so, <laughs> I mean, shouldn't is relative to what's been done in that time, right? So Larry, once again, <laughs> it's your fault. So in reality, you know, normally what I would say is if you get up and you can't wait bare and it's tender on palpation and all those things, you could have a bad sprain, but you could also have a fracture, right? So we would go and get an x-ray. We're talking now eight weeks post, right? Um, there is, I'm going to take a look at it. There is, the only possibility that would be like slightly concerning that we would want to check is if there's an avulsion fracture where the ligament actually pulls. 
some of the bone off the end, right? So you have a bone attached and it actually pulls some of that off the end. It's called an avulsion fracture. The concern there is, you know, if, if something actually needs to be surgically done to reattach, but we're going to take a look very, you know, more likely it's a really bad ankle sprain that needs to be rehabbed. Um, remember that, you know, with, with Parkinson's, once an injury happens, it doesn't just affect your ankle, right? Your feet are your connection to the floor, right? Now you have less stability through your feet. It changes your spatial awareness. You're walking differently. You know, you've rolled it multiple times on top of that. So, so you know, it has, it has a little bit of a um, tumbling effect sometimes. So there's two separate pieces. What word do you use there? Tumbling. <laughs> tumbling. That's what I'm, I've had four tumbles. <laughs> no pun intended, right? But there's two components that we need to do. Number one, we need to treat your ankle. We're going to take a close look at it today. You know, what's hurting, what's not, what directions do you have strength in? Can you stabilize on it, et cetera? You know, do, I think that there's potentially a fracture. We'll, we'll take a look and feel and see what that looks like. The second component is when you're having falls, we need to build out, you know, what in NeuroFit we call a falls portfolio, Right. Where are you falling? Why are you falling? How can we train you back away from those falls? Do you know how to fall properly? You know, are there environmental causes? This whole tick list of things that we start to go through to build a picture of why are these falls happening and how can we stop them and how can we make them safe if they do happen? So I've seen Naomi four times. Uh, she has me on a healing path. Uh, we did do x-rays. They didn't show fractures, but there was still bits of bone in that area. Uh, but they uh, they didn't seem to be new bits like they had broken off at some time before and they're not really hurting anything. But you can see the ligaments are all jammed up the sockets and the balls and the this and the that. I don't know, but you know anatomy better than I do. But my foot is kind of messed up. You've twisted your ankle and rolled your ankle in the past, too. And the recovery and healing of that did not take nearly as long as this does. It certainly is a stark reminder of the impact that Parkinson's has on all aspects of your body systems. And Parkinson's affects everything. And, you know, healing and getting better is part of it. Like, it doesn't help that I, you know, I already had trouble with my gait. <laughs> I didn't need more <laughs> trouble with my gait. Luckily, just in time for Larry's streak of falls, Parkinson Canada has released a new Preventing Falls Guide. It's now available for order. Look under resources on the website parkinson.ca. It's a comprehensive guide designed to be read and used as the different chapters apply to your situation. Order one, have it handy and pull it out as you need it. We have one sitting right here and it's quite comprehensive, but the table of contents is really easy to use. Not everything's going to apply to you all the time, but it's really easy to find the information that you may need in that moment, even if you need it pretty quickly. Right. And, and how lucky are we to be able to welcome to the podcast the woman who literally wrote the guide on falling, uh, Nicola Serra, PhD. She's a physiotherapist and a clinical specialist in neurosciences. We started by talking about how from our group of friends in the PD community, more and more people with Parkinson's seem to be well medicated, exercising more, but the incidence of falls are still relatively frequent. The challenge with Parkinson's is even if you're well medicated, over time, the risk of falls slowly will grow. Your balance reactions will be slowly deteriorating over time. So I also 
the challenge with Parkinson's is that not everyone has the same journey. There are some people who will be uh, sign experiencing significant pain or depression. Other people will have issues like freezing. And so because different people will have different challenges through their Parkinson's, everyone's Parkinson's is not the same. So your journey will change over time because of the evolution of your Parkinson's, because of your circumstances, your situation, but also um, as the disease progresses, you, you will slowly see changes in your balance. I think that's really important to note that like, it's gonna get worse. Well, I don't mean that in a very um, negative way. Oh, I do. All will age. <laughs> so to be fair, we're all kind of fighting the same gravity and time. <laughs> uh, I know I can say that myself. I've seen the changes over the years. Your body changes for lots of reasons. To becoming a mother and all the, the responsibilities we shoulder as time goes on. But with Parkinson's, people will sometimes say things like they feel like they age a little faster or they're losing, you know, certain capacities a little faster than others. And that's why as a physio, you know, we don't give specific education around things like medications. But what we can say is even when people are well and medicated, they still need to look to exercise and to physical activity and to ways to maintain their physical health and to prevent falls. Because unfortunately, they are a normal consequence of the process, you know, in some ways. It's, a, it's, it's the downside of Parkinson's. I have had four falls since the American Thanksgiving through Christmas. Uh, and I thought, hey, maybe uh, Nicole could help me stay on my feet and explain what the heck is happening to me. Uh, so I thought we'd go over some of my falls and you could tell me what might have happened and how, how people can uh, recover from these Certainly. or prevent them. <laughs> so my first fall was upstairs in the bedroom, getting dressed for the day. And I'm talking to Rebecca and our son, Henry, the big H, uh, thinking about my day. And as I attempted to put on my pants, I lost my balance and fell onto the floor. And I looked at them and I said, well, <laughs> you don't see that every day. <laughs> I, 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 what a way to start your day. Well, what I can say is, of course, we haven't really explored these. And I haven't had a chance to get to know your, the medical side of your life and how you manage things like the timing of your medications. But there are, for example, a lot of people will notice that they're a bit stiffer getting out of bed or their medications are a bit on the low side in the morning, they need that bit of a top up to get them kind of going and get them more limbered up. So sometimes it can be something like the timing of your medication or kind of where you are in the cycle of your medication, that could be an issue. Sure. Another one is you kind of described a situation where you're multitasking or what we would call dual tasking in our, in our language. So that would mean you're doing a physical task like putting on your clothes and at the exact same time you're talking and thinking about your day. And so sometimes our brains are juggling too many things at once and that can result in a fall. That's another really common one. I would say that's probably one of the most common reasons people with Parkinson's fall, is that dual tasking um, and, and not really um, appreciating how much effort it takes to actually balance. So the fact that he was talking to us at the same time as trying to do the all the various ways that your muscles have to move and you have to balance while you're putting your pants on, just that simple executive functioning required it threw off his balance i think one thing to think about is that balance isn't a thing like a chair where you walk in and out of the room and the chair is still there balance is actually a mental construct the calculation that you do non-stop all day long i mean if you think about it every step we take we're actually stopping ourselves from falling so if you look at it from that point of view um 
you have to continually take in information from all your joint receptors, from your eyes, from your inner ear balance organ, and coordinate that information to prevent falls. And so if there are little errors in judgment, or um, if, for example, let's say you wear bifocals and you're reading normally, but then you walk down the stairs and the bifocals, you're you're looking down as if you were going to read, but really you're looking down the stairs. So that creates a bit of a challenge for your brain to calculate that depth, you know? That makes perfect sense. And yet when Lurie was sitting in a chair (laughs) and doing almost nothing and just shifted a little bit, he fell, he he eventually fell off of the chair, right? Well, now that's an interesting thing again as well. That's a little different. So it could be that your balance reactions didn't give you enough um, response to correct that movement. So our balance reactions underneath, you know, um, all movements are these reactions that you have. So if you um, are walking on ice, you're skittering, your arms are kind of go out to protect you. And, you know, balance reactions tend to get attenuated or they, or they, they get a little bit to be softer, I guess, if you will. So with Parkinson's, some people will notice that their balance, the actual size of the reaction gets small. I think a lot of people with Parkinson's notice that a lot of their movements get small, their voice might get small. They may not project as well. They also might see some smallness in their balance reactions. So if the reach out required well, there's no number to put to it, but let's say it required a, a, an, an exertion of a seven or something to stop you from falling. What if you only put out a four or five in, on a relative scale that doesn't exactly exist? But let, if you put out a smaller reaction or if it was delayed, there was a latency, like a pause period before you reacted, it could have been just too far gone. So those are other changes that happen with Parkinson's. And those are the things that also could have um, been at play. So I guess what I would say mm-hmm. is that falls um, with Parkinson's are often multifactorial. There's often many different underlying causes. Spending time unpacking what happened during each of those falls and kind of think and seeing the theme over time and how things are shifting and changing gives you ultimately the power to try to fight back and say, okay, is it the strength of my legs that is a problem? Is it my how far I can reach outside my body? Is it my reaction time? Is it um, am I having a hard time doing two things at once these days? The more you know about that, the more you can target that in your therapy or in your exercises or if need be, you can prevent doing some of those things. All right. So here's the fun part. What do you do after you have a fall? Well, in some ways, the worst has already happened if you're on the ground. So one thing I would say is to, once you're on the ground, try not to panic. Try to assess where you're at and make a plan for either how to get up, how to call for help, and then once you've been able to sort of get up and say, you know, recover, then deciding if is it time to go to the emergency, call your family doctor. Maybe you have uh, other supports you can call. Um, for example, maybe a nurse practitioner or a, an, like in here in BC, we have the 811 phone number you can ring to talk about advice over the phone, depending what you have for supports in your area. I would say, um, you know, follow that through and be seen medically would be what I would say. So document what happened and, and have follow-up. So, in, But in, in the moment, once you fall in, you're already probably on the ground and stable. It's a matter of taking your time, you know, finding a sturdy chair, getting up, 
I do encourage people as well to practice getting up from the floor, even if it seems a little scary. I know physios practice this all the time in neuro rehab. Um, we, you know, we frequently ask people, we're gentle about it. We put a mat in the floor, but we get people to get up from the floor so that they've kind of done that. It can be quite anxiety provoking. When Larry and I talk about how things can progress with this Parkinson's and how this may or may not go over time, one of the things that almost always comes up is the danger of falls. And that while Parkinson's technically is not a fatal disease, that there are so many things that can go awry simply because your body and your mind aren't working as well as they should be. Meanwhile, we hadn't until he started falling, we hadn't really talked about it. Nobody really wants to talk about things like making a will. Um, Nobody really wants to talk about these things, but um, it, it is, there is a certain type of power that can come from having these difficult conversations with care partners, with loved ones. Um, well, what, what do you want if you had a fall? What type of, you know, how, what type of management do you want to have? Where would you like to go? Is there a certain hospital you have a preference for? Is there a certain type of care plan you want? Um, you know, I think it is, it is good to have all these difficult conversations and have a plan and actually to just physically practice getting up from the floor. What would you do if you fell downstairs? What would you do if you fell upstairs? You know, do you have a way of calling for someone to help you? Do you need medical alert? Do you have a mobile phone? Um, you know, where do you keep it in the day? Like, how would you get access to it? What about if you were in the community? Kind of coming, thinking through a number of these different scenarios. I know, um, you know, you have to do these things, you know, like you, I have a young son. And when you, the idea of coming up with a will, it's terrible. It's not something you want to think about or talk about. It's just not really where you want to be at, but you have to think things through. And like, what would you do if something happened when you were this, he was this age or that age? So you kind of have to think through some of the things. I don't think you need to project your whole life. If you were thinking the, the major topics you know, for this year, and if this is something that you kind of do every year or every couple of years at the most, um, then I think you've revisited it. You'll just feel that much more confident that you have a, a concrete plan in place. What are the things that you should be thinking about as a care partner anticipating that a fall may happen? Well, one thing I can say is uh, preventing falls does look a little different person to person, but as a care partner, you can be conscious of when your partner would be best with simple uh, simple cues or you being entirely quiet actually in fact sometimes that's the best thing um, or when you're putting too much demand on them and you're asking them to multitask so sometimes <laughs> there's a little bit of um, awareness around where your partner is at at this time possibly also building in uh, a little bit more buffer room for example let's say you're going out for a day trip maybe planning that little bit earlier or giving yourself a bit more breathing space so that there isn't so much last minute rushing going on. For example, those are little ways that a care partner can smooth things out uh, for the person with Parkinson's. They, you know, you, that may be something you consciously talk about, or it may be something that you just kind of quietly take on depending on your situation. Uh, those are ways of kind of, I guess, helping and supporting the fall prevention side. And then, uh, the other one is, of course, if there is a fall, if you're both a bit more sure about what it is that you want done, then you can action that. So, you know, for example, you know, 
it might be that Larry says to you, I, I like my independence still, and I know I can't always have my independence, but if I fall, it'd be great if you could just kind of stand back, give me a second, and let me kind of problem solve it, and then I'll, I'll let you know when I want you to step in. Um, or it might be that he says, look, it's uh, super embarrassing in this environment, it's so busy in this environment. When we go to a certain doctor's appointment, it's chaotic at that hospital or something. Just hold my hand while we're going through it. People won't realize that you're giving me support, but it's just too busy for me. I just want to prevent a fall. And if I start to lose it, please just don't say anything. Just hold me up right away. Like, you know, so you might have your <laughs> dynamic. And you might want to kind of iron that out a little bit. And some of it will be, exp you know, overtly discussed and some of it I think quietly happens but it'd be nice to clear the air maybe a little bit about how you can gently prevent falls and also support them if someone if there's a fall. She offers such great advice and this booklet is filled with the kind of advice and guidance that applies to a wide variety of situations around falls even if you haven't fallen yet there's lots of great information about how to prevent them what planning you can do ahead of time. They have a cool guide there, like a survey you can fill out. Checklist was, what I guess, what I was looking for. And they have even diagrams. Here's a typical room in your house and all the things that could be hazardous that you hadn't thought of. So maybe they ought to take a picture of Henry's playroom and say, say <laughs> this is disaster. Legos and cars <laughs> covering the floor. Yeah. <laughs> So as we've been talking more and more about falls and preparing for the next one, uh, it certainly puts me in a more vulnerable and overly cautious position. I, you know, as I mentioned, I'm holding on to more handrails, uh, making more trips to the trash area. So like instead of trying to carry it all out at once with multiple hands and something on my head uh, in the dark while it's wet, I, you know, I've, <laughs> I'm not doing that anyway. Carrying things in my left hand, holding on to the rail with my right uh, I bought a new shoes with tread, and I now have a, 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 a toque with a headlamp on it. So I, when, it, when I'm going out at night, I can have a, a, a light on my head so I can look around and I can see where I'm going. And it helps? It, it's awesome. I love it. And it's very fashionable. <laughs> it is not very fashionable at all. The Cyclops hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's pretty cute. Yeah. We've been making some changes around the house as well. Following this interview, it reminded us of a few things that are regular hazards here in the house. We have some rugs on our hardwood floors that the corners tend to slip a bit. We've bought new rug grippers for the corners. We're more aware of cords and things on the floor, and we're helping Henry be more mindful of that as well. I'm bumping into you more. I'm afraid I'm going to knock you over. There are times when we're walking in a smaller space, like in the kitchen, and if I have to walk behind you, I just remind you, I touch you and say behind you or something like that. So that, because there's a chance that you'll kind of swing around and, and there's an elbow in my face, right? Yes. Um, so we're just making you aware of what's going on around you is something that we've been doing for a while. I guess I didn't think about it as helping you with your balance and helping you um, maintain confidence to keep from falling or swinging or whatever it is that you may that you may do so I'll continue to do it oh and I'm using my walking poles more so I, I was using them to learn how to regain my gait initially um, and then I was getting more confident especially when when once COVID hit and I wasn't riding the bus anymore 
because I, I I like to have them on the bus and uh, and when I'm walking downtown. But like I, I I think I've gained a lot more confidence in in my walk, and so I was not using them nearly as much except for like hikes and stuff. Um, yeah, but I'm using them now more regularly, going to the grocery store and whatnot. Uh, and, and a lot of people will email me and, and uh, stop me on the street even and, and ask me about them. And they're called activator poles. Maybe we should describe what these poles look like. Yeah, that, you know, that's, that's a great idea. Uh, they do kind of look like ski poles. Uh, but they've, they've got like this hard knob on like the, the grip. It's like what they call a patented ergonomic core grip. Well, and she described that there's an, a knob, uh, an area that comes off the one side, and that that's meant to be in the bottom of your hand, the outside of your hand, so that you can use that for balance, kind of helping with adjusting, or if you start to wobble to one side, it can help you correct. Yeah, it's a, it's a wide ledge instead of a strap. They've built in like anti-vibration features to minimize the stress on your joints. Uh, it's adjustable. It's retractable. It's, I take it through the airport, uh, and it actually gets me into the special line. And they're nice. They're, they're great. The stoppers on the bottom, the tips, they look like feet. Well, right? so there's one that looks like feet, and then there's another one that's more of a bell-shaped, uh, that's more sturdy. And they're made and sold by a company here in North Vancouver called Urban Pulling, and I love them. Uh, they really do give me a sense of balance and security. There's definitely a change in your confidence when you have them that's noticeable. Your speed is one thing where you can keep up better with Henry and I. We mm -hmm. tend to be a little faster walkers, but it's also just a confidence. I, I always encourage you to bring your poles, even if you're thinking, well, maybe not, because there definitely is a sense of security that you get from them, especially for going to a place where there may be more people for going to a park or hiking or something like that. Yeah, it, it's it's almost like a, a sense of independence. Like I I I I'm not afraid for you guys to walk ahead of me, because I know that I, I have I'm more secure with them. If I didn't have them, I'd be more nervous that you weren't nearby. And we're less nervous about you, and feel like we need to be less vigilant, because you have a security plan. Yeah, and these aren't just regular walking poles. These poles were designed by an occupational therapist and gerontologist, Mandy Shintani, in North Vancouver. One sunny day this past fall, in the middle of COVID, we donned our masks and socially distanced for a coffee Hi. in a park to discuss the poles and why they're so effective for people with Parkinson's. Right. How are you? Good. Here. Nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. When I sat down with Mandy, the first thing I asked her is, how did these poles come to be? It was all through my Swedish neighbor. Because <laughs> you're too young, but you there was this, the biggest national campaign in Canada for health promotion was based on um, showing a Swede there was a commercial about it. Participation Canada. Yeah. They showed a Swede. These men are about evenly matched. That's because the average 30-year-old Canadian is in about the same physical shape as the average 60-year-old Swede. Run, walk, cycle. Let's get Canada moving again. This message is brought to you by the CFL, CTV, and its sponsors for participation. And I remember thinking as a kid, what are they doing in Sweden? So I asked my neighbor when I saw her, I'm like, what are you guys doing? She goes, oh, we're just walking. She said, I notice you guys get in your car for everything. She said, but we just literally walk everywhere. And I thought that was fascinating. Think about all the things we do to stay fit. Yeah. The healthiest people on the planet are just walking. And she said, but also we use poles. She said, it's part of our culture, whether you're a preschooler, an Olympic athlete, or an elder. 
you use poles. And I was like, what? You use poles everywhere. And I was like, I'd never heard that before. When I looked at the research, 300 studies, 19 on Parkinson's. And I was like, this is everything we're trying to achieve in rehab. Every time I go to see my physiotherapist or a speech therapist, they're always like, well, what do you want to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you're the same way. What are the type? What are some of the things that people with Parkinson's say they want to be able to do that they can't? I would say the most important thing for them is just when they're talking to occupational therapy, it's just about being safe at home. Like, I think they're quite concerned about how to prevent falls. Do you teach them how to fall right? We do. We teach them how to fall right. But you know what? We're more concerned with how can we change the environment through devices, um, adaptation to their homes, like grab bars or, you know, taking away obstacles that may cause a fall or to just be more conscious about thinking about, like, how do I move? How do I um, pick up things? How do I do my day-to-day activities in a safer way so I can prevent falls? You're going to show me some technique here, okay. or at least I'm going to show you my technique, and you're going to tell me how awful it is. Okay, sounds good. So I see that you got the right pole in the right hand and the left pole in the left hand perfect, and you want to, the whole idea behind that is that the ledge is facing outwards, and what your hand is resting on, and that's how you get your balance and your core strengthening. And Now, uh, the holes here are they they are they so decorative you know what honestly we just did that to reduce the weight the holes at the top because they're very they're very light oh good yeah it's, they're about a pound each each yeah. pole you want to keep the pole vertical so that's the difference is your elbows are bent at 90 degrees your right. your pole's vertical and the research shows you'll be able to put more weight on it so i'm doing opposite pole to opposite foot exactly Exactly. So you're you're lifting the pole about the same distance as, as that front foot. So you're lifting the opposite pole to your front foot. That looks good. Yep, yep. Now, one thing I would say is try to move your shoulders more. More? That's it. Because I find when I see people bend your elbow, the first thing they want to do is, you know, tighten it against their body and then not move the shoulder. It's kind of a lift and plant to that front foot. Again, that's it. That's it. That looks great. It's been really neat working with the poles because someone will start off with just, you know, I can't walk very well. Okay, let's get you walking more normally. And then they start using the poles and then they're like, hey, you know what? I could probably hike with these. I could probably snowshoe. And I could probably travel with these because, you know, if they're using a walker, that's really difficult to take on a trip. So that's kind of been the fun part is starting off just with walking. And then we got some got some background music for wow, walking. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. This is quite the park. It is. I have to say, people are very friendly in this park. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that that's kind of how I got introduced to the the activator poles. Is that uh, my physical therapist was like, okay, we need to work on your gait because my gait was horrible. It was like my dominant symptom, and uh, so she. she she got me a set and we just started working them uh, because uh, and, and like it, it changed my my whole attitude my whole mindset now I don't I, I, I don't want to have to use them but what I find mm-hmm. is that if I know I'm going on a long walk with my family I'll mm-hmm. take them if I know I'm going to be in a public area I take them because I get anxious right. and it gives me more birth mm-hmm. 
people see that I have the poles and they go, something's right. wrong. So I'm going to give you more space. Okay. Which yeah. is probably something you never thought of. No, I, I and that's, it's funny because I've had a couple people say that to me and absolutely, I didn't think about that whole thing about needing space. Yeah. So that's kind yeah. of, it's been great. Or on the bus, it's a, it's a visual cue to give me a seat. Right. Interesting. Because I'm 48 years old. No one's going to give me a seat. Yeah. Yeah. But. Because I don't look like I have Parkinson's. Right. But I've got those, and suddenly it's like a ticket to the seat. Excellent. Yeah. You don't have to use them all the time. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I find when I suggest to people who've got Parkinson's about the poles, I love that you just said, like, you use them when you need them. So it's not like, you know, people get them. It's like, it's another tool. And there are times when you may use them. And other times I find people use it as a way to train themselves how to walk in a more normal pattern so they don't use it all the time and I had this one fellow came in he was slouched he was taking small shuffling gait patterns he wasn't swinging his arm but he didn't need a device and he used the poles and afterwards he said to me he put the poles down he said hey Mandy do you just want me to walk like this and he stood upright he took big steps he swung his arms and I was like yes that's it exactly and he said oh well I can do that I just didn't know that's what I was supposed to be doing. So I loved how you just kind of used it as a tool. The, the, the activator poles should be called confidence poles. I love that. Because yeah. it really is for, for, at least for me, it's what gives me the confidence to go into a crowd, to go through an airport, to, 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 to go on a hike, to, to take a longer walk. Yeah. Like it, it's, it, it gives me enough certainty to, to say yes. Uh, so thank you for making them. Oh, well, thank you. Current wisdom tells us that if we are too much in the future, if we're thinking, worrying too much in the future, that that is a source of anxiety. With that in mind, we have this mantra in our family of live in the present, right? We've spoken about it, that's mindfulness wisdom. Allowing yourself to live in this moment keeps you from worrying about the past, worrying about the future in these days of uncertainty and with uncertainty having to do with a chronic illness. It's very easy to be worrying about the future a lot. So we bank on that. <laughs> We're in the present moment, here we are in the present, right? At times, we're guilty of using that as a way to avoid considering those things that can happen. Denial is blissful, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I feel like this episode was a reminder. Your falls were a reminder of that, a wake-up call for us to be thinking more in the present moment about what could is not necessarily going to happen in the future, but thinking about ways to decrease the stress of what could happen. Thoughtful planning and dreaming shouldn't be ignored because you want to not have anxiety about the possibility of negative future events. Well, and I was reminded that as newer members of the Parkinson's community, we're still facing certain things for the first time. Yeah. There's a lot of firsts still, and they will continue <laughs> and continue and continue. So now we're faced with falls and balance issues in a more significant way. 
without planning and thoughtfully considering what we should and want to do, the anxiety and fear about that next time happening or the next first will be worse. And then the anxiety and fear about it is all that we really have. We haven't really taken any steps to minimize it. Taking the time to go through these materials and use the support available like the physiotherapists, it ultimately increases the safety, but for the family, it decreases the stressors connected to the issue. Right. And it, in everything, whether it's you're working on, um, you know, physio with a physiotherapist on falling or walking or whatever, whatever, whatever you're trying to do, it's, it, it, you need to be invested in and put effort into it. And that's the now part. Like, I can't just hope and dream that I don't fall again without taking action today. So in a larger way, this also was a bit of a wake-up call. We're busy people. And only more so since the pandemic began. So it's easy to put off those kinds of things, suppress the fear of the things that need to be done in the future. Like we've talked about getting an assistant. We've talked about collecting more help around us on a regular basis just to manage the things that sometimes fall through the cracks. Any kind of planning, talking to a lawyer and changing our will, there's right there there are a lot of things that are in the future that we're avoiding. And so therefore it's this little list in the back of my head of all the things that we're not doing and all the things we haven't taken care of. And should something happen, we're not prepared for. So that's creating more fear and anxiety about the future than if I just forced myself to think about it in a really significant way, in a really meaningful way. Like, what do we really fear the most happening? How can we minimize that? How can we address all of those things so that if and when it happens, we feel like we're in the best position possible to manage it? And it's not just for us. It's for Henry as well. We don't want him to... A, worry, or two, bear the brunt of any practical situation that may come about because we didn't plan ahead. I want to be healthy and safe and, and strong because I want to be with my family. Um, I'm not always in that position, but I want to be in that position more often than not um, based on how I progress uh, how how this disease impacts us. But my daily mantra is to do what I need to do today to be as healthy and as strong and as, um, as, as capable as I can for me and for you and for Henry. After the one spill that was pretty bad, where you basically face-planted and scraped up, there was blood and... And it was more jarring than the other ones. It was a bigger fall. That was when you recorded your note to self about how you were feeling about it. And you went to that dark, scary place. And I guess sometimes we need those experiences to allow ourselves to go to those dark, scary places and, yeah. and think about what's 
an underlying fear or an underlying emotion that maybe hadn't been there before or hadn't been recognized before. But I would love to hear you talk more about where you were in that moment and why you felt compelled to share it. Well, I've been I've been going to therapy um, and it's death has been one of the topics of that and coming to terms with mortality and uh, I feel like I've come to terms with like I'm not I'm not scared of dying. I just don't want to. Uh, where I don't know that six months ago I was in that same space. Um, and maybe the falls were kind of a, a trigger to go, okay, here's your opportunity. If, if you're really ready to go, you could fall and die. And, um, and so for me, having had those dark conversations with, you know, some with you and some with my counselor, I realized that I'm not ready to die. And so that actually was a... Not, it was more of a light than a dark, but it felt dark. Mm-hmm. It was a revelation and, and motivation. And so now I'm exercising more. And so now I'm taking care of myself and I'm eating better. And I'm you know, you know, listening to the physiotherapist and doing the exercises. And where I can't, I honestly can't tell you that that was the same way before that. So you had to come to terms with, do I really want to die or not? Because right. if I continue down this path, I'm increasing the likelihood of falling again and having it be really bad and well and part of it is and i've discovered uh with your help and with my counselor's help is that i believed that by not exercising and not eating right and by you know damning the parkinson's um that I was winning because I was living my normal life. But in reality, it just gave Parkinson's the opportunity to take over my body. And so it, it was outsmarting me. And now I'm, I feel like I'm in the right state of mind to know that I have to work at being normal by exercising and by eating right that will allow me to live a fulfilled life and to be here with you and with henry and be strong and be healthy and available it's beautiful because because you went to the darkness and because you got shaken literally to the ground and had to explore that darkness you chose life it was life affirming for you and I'm emotional it's 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 a really beautiful realization that sometimes you have to be shaken to the ground most of us have to be at some point shaken to the ground to really contemplate those things and make those really life-affirming healthy choices for ourselves. yeah it's hard it's hard work, um, and I, I got, I, you know, um, I don't know that I'm great at it, and I, I don't, I'm not perfect, but uh, I think I'm human, and... Um, You're perfectly imperfect. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, hi, Henry. Hi. We're talking about Daddy's Falls, what do you think about Daddy's Falls? Painful. Yeah, what do you, I mean, how are you helping me? Um... 
by helping you from not falling and picking up my toys so my dad doesn't fall and he doesn't like falling. Yeah, really hard falls. If I'm sitting on the ground, he'll help me up. Yes. And you'll get nervous if I wobble. Yeah. You need to hold me. What else do you want to say about the, the, the Parkinson's and falling? People with Parkinson's, they can't do what they used to do. Like, pretend I'm climbing on my dad. I can't jump on him anymore. And go on his shoulders without falling. Yeah, because that's some balance issues, right? A lot. Yeah. I love you. I love everybody. I love everybody too. <laughs> this is When Life Gives You Parkinson's, a Curious Cast podcast. Our story producer is Dila Velazquez, sound designed by Greg Schott. The presenting partner is Parkinson Canada. Diagnosed with Parkinson's? You are not alone. Parkinson.ca. Look in the resources section of the website for the Preventing Falls Guide. Special thanks to Urban Polling. Activator poles are lightweight, adjustable, and help me with posture, balance, and certainty. They currently have distribution in Canada, the U.S., and Australia. The website is urbanpolling.com. Thanks also to our promotional partners, PD Avengers, a global alliance of people with Parkinson's, our partners and friends, standing together to demand change in how the disease is seen and treated. Join now at pdavengers.com. The Michael J. Fox Foundation Parkinson's Podcast, hosted by Larry Gifford. Available on Apple Podcasts and at michaeljfox.org. Spotlight YOPD, the only organization in the world with the singular focus of raising awareness of young-onset Parkinson's disease. You can find them at spotlightyopd.org. And the World Parkinson Congress 2022 in Barcelona, Spain. Go to WPC2022.org for details on special virtual events you can participate in now. And thank you for listening. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, give the show a 20-star rating. Wait, no, a 5-star rating. Can you do that? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and feel free to comment. You also can engage with us on social media. It's at Parkinson's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or email us at parkinsonspod at curiouscast.ca. Oh, and be sure to share a link to this podcast with your friends on email, Facebook, Twitter, or your blog. Keep positive. Keep exercising. Keep listening. We'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. I love everybody. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.